Welcome to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, an integrative health podcast by Center for New Medicine. We created the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast as an extension of our mission to educate and empower individuals along their health journey. This integrative health podcast will bring you in-depth expert interviews on a plethora of health topics. Tune in bi-weekly for interviews on how to create a non-toxic lifestyle, integrative approaches to treating complex health concerns like diabetes, Lyme's, Hashimoto's, Crohn's, adrenal fatigue, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, cancer prevention, early cancer detection, integrative cancer treatments, and so much more. Through the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, we hope to provide cutting-edge, science-based information you can use to create a happier and healthier life for you and your loved ones. Perfectly Healthy Podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Lindsay, and today we welcome Dr. Sahar Lachine onto the Be Perfectly Healthy Podcast, a relatively new practitioner here at the Cancer Center for Healing and Center for New Medicine. And she shares her personal story in the field of medicine, how she started medical school at the age of 16. <laughs> And really just her extensive, extensive education in a variety of different disciplines. And then we pivot into the topic of, we discuss menopause a little bit, and then we really hone in on estrogen dominance. What causes it, what it can do within the body, the common symptoms, and then how we can begin to actually reverse this. So with that, please enjoy this interview with Dr. Sahar Lachine. Well, Dr. Lachine, welcome to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. Thank you so much. Happy to be with you here. Yes, and we are so excited, first of all, to just have you on the team downstairs. But as this is your first time on the podcast, just tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into the field of medicine? And then also, if you weren't always in the field of integrative functional medicine, what sort of led you along that path? So I started uh, my interest in school. Uh, when I uh, studied the human biology for the first time, I got so fascinated how uh, sophisticated are we. So um, one of my teachers told me, oh, I bet that you are planning to be a doctor. I, I, I showed a lot of interest. And at that time, you know, you're, you're just an elementary or a secondary school um, kid and I thought, Oh, wow, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> and then I planned for an exit exam in my um, uh, high school. So I, uh, I had only one year of the high school. And I studied. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> and I studied uh, in intensely this uh, for this test. And I was able to get into medical school at age 16. Oh my gosh. Starting my career that early. I know nothing in life but medicine. Yeah. I love my patients. I have great uh, genuine uh, interest in getting people better. 
and um, seeing my father uh, during my childhood, he's um, a scientist. I used to follow him as his shadow, mm-hmm. uh, in even in the school um, vacations, you know, the holidays in the, the summer, I would just go and uh, follow him in his lab, do whatever he's doing, wear his white coat, look into the microscope, and he would get the, the you know the sheet of the genes. Uh, at home and we start cutting them down and arranging them so I knew the genetic dislocations and abnormalities when I was just a kid oh my gosh (laughs) it it was my puzzle (laughs) (laughs) and then in medical school you know I was very very passionate uh, in the clinical part I want to have hands-on I want to treat patients I want to feel where the problem is and fix it I want people to 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 feel healthy again Mm. Uh, finishing medical school with honors in all years I was offered a faculty position and a residency in the same place in Cairo University uh, in one of the oldest medical schools it is like 250 years old and it drains a lot of areas Uh, patients come from all over uh, Egypt to this place so it's like um, a very intense boot camp medical residency <laughs> to be there. Uh, I got my master's and uh, my PhD in um, GI and liver disease and uh, started doing all the uh, scopes and all the evaluations, interventions in the abdominal, uh, ultrasound, and uh, it was a, a, a great uh, part in my life. Still, I had patients many of them uh, who I can't really fix them. Mm. They would come, they would go years, and I just can't fix them. And I feel defeated, you know, yeah, like all the studies I have been, you know, very good in what I do. Still, there is area which is not covered. And I can't get this patient to say, oh, I am well and healthy again. So I started to seek uh, uh, more information in the States. Mm. And that's when I did my USMLE and started my other residency, which was 20 years after graduation. <laughs> so wow. I was training with, you know, uh, uh, in, in my age, after all this is experience, I was training with very young graduates. Uh, in Michigan, I had this uh, residency and um, I um, I was exposed to a, a different uh, experience in my patients. So in Africa, it was a lot of array of uh, of disease, and in the states, it was the local problems plus the international problems. Having seen all patients from all over the world, mm-hmm. you know, we are metropolitan everywhere, mm-hmm. and. Um, Working afterwards as a hospitalist and then as a primary care physician in internal medicine after I got my um, uh, board certification in internal medicine. Um, I forgot to tell you during this um, uh, uh, journey, uh, I got uh, certified as a a trainer in ethics in medical uh, research in the University of Maryland. Uh, And uh, I got my certificate as a teacher as well uh, from Cambridge. It was a Cambridge diploma in teachers and trainers. So 
During that time, I have always been teaching medical students and nurses uh, and, of course, my patients. Mm. I always say I need my patient to know why they are doing what they are doing. When you understand your body and you understand why the doctor is telling you to do what you're doing, you will get much more results. Mm. Uh, fast forward, uh, I got this board certification in internal medicine and I was recruited by UCLA as a faculty member, a, a lead physician and a primary care physician as well. Uh, we uh, opened several satellites in Torrance uh, and I worked in several clinics in the Palos Verdes area. And I was teaching at the same time medical students in the main campus in Westwood. That's when my patients uh, who came to the clinic showed clearly that we don't, the we don't want the classic way of teaching or uh, being treated. We want the, the natural way. Most of them have horses. They are living, you know, naturally in the mountains. Oh, wow. They would come to me and say, please don't just prescribe medication like others. We are coming here because you have an experience out, outside the box. Mm -hmm. We want somebody who uh, trained somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And um, it was because of uh, my patients that I thought more the integrative medicine. Uh, at the same time, uh, in my back mind, you know, uh, I saw my father uh, uh, who I felt, you know, like um, the icon of medicine for me. Uh, uh, after being uh, affected with uh, uh, glioblastoma, cancer in the brain. And uh, at that time I was in the, in the US. He, I traveled back to uh, Egypt and the first thing that he told me uh, while he is in the hospital, looking so cachectic, skin on bone, not the muscular guy that I know, mm. hardly knew that he is the one. Uh, he told me, uh, uh, you know, Sahar, they are giving me 25 pills four times a day. I got liver failure and kidney failure. They are killing me. They are not killing the cancer. Mm. And I felt so helpless, you know, having all this PhDs, master's degrees, board certifications. And my own father, I see disintegrating yeah. the, the meaning of the world dying every minute from the, the trial of treating him. And I felt this is not medicine. This is not what I'm supposed to do. Mm. Uh, going back to the States, I started a new journey of searching for how to fix the root of the problem, how to get the, the patient to live a quality of life that is best for him, acceptable. Even if he's gonna die, they have to die with dignity. Mm. They have to enjoy every minute till the, till the very end. The battle is not against a body or a whole person. It's a battle directed to cancer. That's uh, what drove me to here because I really respect what, what Dr. Keneally does. Mm. She is um, a person who knew a uh, long time ago uh, what is the real battle about. And uh, fixing the root is the, the part in the integrative medicine that we're all trying to seek. 
on my own before joining here, I uh, did the board certification of uh, integrative medicine, the uh, anti-aging and regenerative medicine. And I loved the idea so much that when I started to apply it in UCLA on my patients, uh, and I had to do it with the classic medicine, of course, um, the patients felt much better. It was my mini experiment giving the patients like a coenzyme Q10, zinc, and some of the supplements and trying to change their lifestyle, alkalinize their body, you know, simple, simple mm -hmm. things. And ask them to do the meditation, the yoga, to uh, change their diet, you know, the, the main theme of being healthy together with those who are just given the, the classic medications and they are not that interested in, in doing any changes in life. And I see them coming to the clinic. Somebody sits there and say, oh my God, I feel much better. And the, 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 in comparison to the other one who would say, it's just the same. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, I had the chance to uh, see uh, another integrative doctor in, uh, in Europe who I followed and I, uh, I got certified from Switzerland in his academy uh, for Swiss biological medicine. I love their ways. I love the way that they are connected to nature, the way that they really uh, get results mm -hmm. from what they do. Combining two together, the American and the Swiss uh, uh, experience, I integrated both together yeah, into yeah, yeah. my integrative experience. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, I can uh, see clearly how different things are. Uh, applying this on myself, I was able to treat myself from the Hashimoto thyroiditis, which was diagnosed back when I was in classic medicine, and I didn't find a single doctor who could help me. Wow. Uh, the endocrinologist with all the PhDs and, and the, you know, the board certifications and the experience told me, what are we going to do? It's just an autoimmune disease. You don't even care about the TPO. It, it's not important. Mm -hmm. We don't do anything with it. Nobody told me you have to be dairy-free or uh, gluten-free. Nobody gave me the selenium. Nobody treated me the proper way. I had to do my own research to mm -hmm. treat myself. And when I concluded how uh, uh, different it is to do it the right way, uh, seeing the results on me, uh, I knew that, you know, patients should not get uh, this effort uh, carried on their own shoulders. Mm -hmm. They need doctors who knew how to do it to get the results in short, uh, you know, in shortcuts. Yeah, it's so tricky. And I think you just hit the nail on the head because <coughs> I think so many patients feel that way, feel like, well, you're the expert. <clears throat> Excuse me, let me say that again. <clears throat> well, you're the expert. You, my, my doctor is the expert. He's supposed to know everything about this or a lot about this. And so if my doctor is just telling me to take a pill, I'm going to trust him. That must be all there is to do. And I think it leaves. And then they'd go home. They Maybe they don't feel that much better or they develop a ton of other symptoms. And they feel so disheartened and so defeated because they really think, well, the expert told me this is all there is. And the expert told me this is what my life is going to look like from here on out. And unfortunately, a lot of people 
just believe it straight out and don't go looking for a second opinion. Exactly. So patients who are, for example, hypertensive, they come and they would tell me the first question is, am I going to take this pill forever? Mm -hmm. If I am in classic setting, I would tell them, of course, don't ever miss it. (laughs) But in integrative, I fix the whole body and we're able to stop the pill. Mm -hmm. I was able to get some blood pressure measures down enough to stop the blood pressure medication by coenzyme Q10, by losing weight right, by increasing the metabolism, by raising the efficiency of the body as a whole. Mm-hmm. Increasing elasticity of the blood vessels, taking your pure omega-3. No, there is a lot that can be done. And by the way, we have the ways to measure it too. Mm-hmm. So there is machines that can help. There is other hidden uh, diseases or you know pathology that you can reverse but it needs a a cooperative patient-doctor relationship. Mm -hmm. So we need both parties to be very determined to get the same result. Mm -hmm. That's what I tell my patients. Me and you have the same goal, and both of us should be working very hard to achieve it, and it's your own health. Absolutely, yes. So pivoting a little bit into estrogen dominance, which is the main topic of today's episode. So this is, it seems like this is a topic that's coming up more and more, and we're going to dive into why this might be. But just to always start with the basics, can you give us a little bit of an overview? What is estrogen in women specifically? What is that estrogen doing within the body? And then we're going to start to dive into symptoms of estrogen dominance, how we get there and how we can potentially reverse it. (laughs) Very good question, thank you so much. So estrogen is what makes the woman a woman. So um, as you know, um, we start having our hormones after puberty, uh, yet the body is prepared for a long time for this step. Uh, After puberty, it's the peak of having the best hormones Uh, But if it's too much, you find the acne, you find additional weight, you find greasy skin, you find a lot of things because it's too much. Mm. And the main problem with the estrogen predominance is the colics and the excessive bleeding during the menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. So a lot of uh, girls or women have this problem with the uh, menstrual cycle being so colicky, so painful. They have to miss times in uh, in, uh, training or in school. It's a a monthly trouble Mm -hmm. with a lot of changes before and a lot of changes after and a lot of changes every minute. Mm. That's why uh, when we have optimization of hormones, everything in life adjusts. So let me tell you uh, what the estrogen uh, not just do, but if it's not there, what it doesn't do. Mm-hmm. So we feel in the menopause a lot of change. We don't know why. Uh, people think that, oh my God, I'm getting old. Well, getting old is related to not having the hormones. So we age because we don't have hormones. It's not a process that anybody just have to pass through. 
if you know the reason, you can just fix it. Mm. So fixing the hormones of the menopause, which is deficiency of estrogen, that has more than 400 functions in your body. <laughs> okay, so maybe we won't cover all 400 today. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a bit challenging. <laughs> so uh, one of them is, uh, for example, the uh, high blood pressure or the heart problem. So after menopause, men and women are equally affected. Before menopause, women are not as much affected in the high blood pressure and uh, uh, heart problems as men. Mm. And the reason is estrogen protection. Uh, the skin, the hair, uh, the, the memory, uh, of course, the fertility. Uh, the the estrogen if i am talking about the functions i will talk till next morning yeah <laughs> uh, the the problem is you need the balance because too much will cause this woman to be irritable she cannot you know function well she gonna add weight just by thinking about food <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of problems that happen when the hormones are imbalanced mm -hmm. uh, progesterone on the other hand is the soothing hormone so it's the one which caused the wo the woman to be happy and 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 cool and calm and sleep at night and and you know sleep soundly that's why the menopause the number one complaint would be i can't sleep at night what's going on mm. i sleep three hours and i just wake up as if the alarm is on and simply progesterone works on a receptor called GABA. When this receptor is stimulated, you switch off your brain, your body relaxes, and you go into deep sleep. When you don't have the progesterone in menopause, women just cannot sleep anymore. Mm. Same as the andropause, which a lot of people don't talk about. You know, men don't like to complain. They talk to each other. They don't talk to the doctor, except if the women in their life push them to go to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so I, al I, I always joke, I had a patient sitting in my clinic and um, uh, when I asked him why you're here, he said, well, my wife told me to come. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the andropause uh, is a problem with the testosterone as well. And they have the same problem, by the way. They can't sleep at night. Mm. So testosterone help men to sleep. Progesterone help women to sleep. Uh, estrogen and progesterone help a lot of functions uh, the, uh, in, in the woman's body. Testosterone helps in the woman's body as well. So when you um, lack testosterone uh, in your body, you lack uh, the libido, you don't have any sexual desires, and the switch off happens after menopause. That affects a lot of the social relations between uh, couples mm -hmm. uh, in their marital state. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, they come to me uh, because of there is no lubrication down there. There is itching in the vaginal area. There is dryness. They think they don't know why. But the reason is clearly that these hormones cause this area to be vivid and young and mm -hmm. and healthy and moist and prepared every month for a baby to to be implanted when you don't uh, have the the ovum anymore we don't you don't have the preparations for it and consequently you lack the healthy uh, lining in the 
urinary bladder, in the vaginal area, and in the vulval area. So uh, infections happen, um, uh, itching happen, dryness happen, uh, the uh, sexual intercourse become very painful. Uh, all this can be easily fixed or better maintained if we are able to, to get these patients to recognize their perimenopausal symptoms and come in the proper timing. Mm -hmm. So timing is very important. Uh, 10 years out of menopause, you can replace hormones, but the results will, will not be that great. Mm -hmm. Still, there will be uh, difference. Of course, it will be much better than before. But if we can get women to recognize that there is some changes that is going on with the menopause, uh, like uh, intermittent uh, cycles, not in the right timing, too much or too little, too frequent, uh, shorter than the usual, they start to have the hot flashes, the, the famous hot flashes, mm -hmm. uh, the night sweats, they start to lack concentration or to lose their memory or focusing. Uh, I had a patient telling me, I feel my skin is getting uh, too loose on me. Uh, you know, they feel different. Mm -hmm. they, they see the wrinkles, they see their hair falling or getting dry or not healthy. Uh, they feel a big difference in general in their body. Of course, additional weight, that's a, that's a big, big thing. Mm -hmm. um, so if we can manage these patients in a proper time, they will keep young forever. Hmm. They will even function better than before because we can maintain them without the peaks and the, the droughts. Yeah, that's a good point. Now with menopause, what's happening actually is the opposite of estrogen dominance. It's that the estrogen is dropping way off, right? Is that correct? Correct. Low estrogen, okay. But what is interesting is it seems like we're seeing now a lot of young women or younger women actually experiencing estrogen dominance due to a variety of factors which we'll get into but so and i think that was such a good description of the low estrogen all the symptoms we can experience if we have low estrogen especially heading into menopause now can you explain some of the symptoms of estrogen dominance and then we're going to talk about how does this even happen within the body what are some of the root causes and the contributing factors to this you know, uh, our natural normal estrogen levels uh, can be great, uh, but some people have uh, the excess, as you said, which can cause the acne, can cause um, irritability, additional weight, and even uh, can cause the area to be hostile for um, um, uh, fertility or uh, to conceive. So uh, everything in a balance is the, the aim for everybody. Uh, if uh, somebody added few um, uh, pounds, for example, uh, more hormones are produced. So the hormones are not produced only from the ovaries or the adrenals or our other um, glands. Uh, it might be produced from the fat cells as well. That's why uh, overweight or obesity can cause some women to have a problem uh, with uh, conceiving. Uh, and uh, you will find that uh, a lot of uh, GYN, uh, OBs uh, advise the patients to go and lose weight. Mm. They are not 
told all the details, but the fat cell is a factory of hormones. It produces toxins, it produces hormones, it produces inflammatory cells, uh, uh, markers. Dang fat cells. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So it's not just about uh, depriving uh, yourself from chocolate or sweets. It's about protecting your body from adding toxins to it and excess hormones, specifically estrogens. Mm -hmm. By the way, this happens in men too. So the fat men have their fat cells producing estrogen and it counteracts the testosterone internally. That's why they get erectile dysfunctions. That's why they become moody. That's why they have, you know, muscle waste. All this happens because they have an an opposite factor uh, uh, against the testosterone, which is supposed to be there working uh, mostly Mm. uh, with a power hand. Wow. Uh, so in women, excess estrogen, uh, apart from causing the uh, greasy skin, the acne, the fat around the waist and the hips, it also prevents fertility uh, and increase the mood swings, mm. cause anxiety, cause depression. Um, we can find this in um, the xenoestrogens as well the plastics that is being used, you know, the artificial um, uh, estrogens around that is given to uh, to the women in so many ways. Um, we also uh, can see that, uh, you know, the chicken and all this hormone-treated uh, animal products um, are giving an extra type of uh, estrogen, phytoestrogen and xenoestrogens uh, not only cause symptoms, they also can cause cancers. Hmm. I want to really hone in on these two because I think those are two really big potential root causes for a lot of people is the plastics that they're using in their lives and then eating sort of unclean or heavily processed animal products that have also been injected with hormones and then they may all might also be eating some of those soy products so you're kind of getting a double dose specifically with animal products but i think it would be really interesting for the listeners to hear because we can hear yeah plastics can cause estrogen dominance but sometimes it's nice to hear the actual explanation of how are they doing that within the body and as far as i understand it a little bit of what's happening is they're they're binding to our receptors in certain ways and that is shifting how our hormones are produced but that is obviously like the elementary version of it so can you explain it a little bit deeper so in simple words when you take xenoestrogens or phytoestrogens uh, it is a mimicry of uh, the molecule that sits on a receptor in the cell and stimulate certain cascade of reactions inside this cell to cause the effect of the estrogen. But this cascade might be harmful. So a lot of the exposure to these chemicals can cause women to be infertile. It can cause cancers to happen early on. It can cause a lot of excessive salt and water retention, hypertension, heart problems, and that's to count few of so many. Mm. So avoiding plastic is like in this world is almost similar to impossible because of what the packaging is, how everything is being, you know, packed and sold. And it needs a lot of effort for people to 
recognize that what they are using is very dangerous mm. and you know the the plastic industry is so big that um you have really to put a lot of thought about how you're gonna uh, use your stuff how you're gonna buy your 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 stuff without using a lot of plastics mm-hmm. um i believe it needs um a combined effort of everybody to make sure that uh, this is limited because what we are seeing now as a sequel of the xenoestrogens and the phytoestrogen is scary. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I always like to recommend people do is just start by cleaning up what's in your home. Just start there. Get rid of the plastic cups, you know, if there's plastic plates, try to limit get rid of the plastic packaging now thankfully there's so many options glass containers you know organic beeswax wrap that you can wrap your fruits and veggies in but if you start there then you're significantly reducing the toxic load you're putting on your body and then once you're there you can start to pay a little bit more attention to when i'm out and about what am i consuming and touching but because it can be overwhelming to try and make all those shifts at once. But I think the message is it's so, so important for men and women. Of course. For women and men. Yes, yes. (laughs) Because as you mentioned, we're seeing some estrogen imbalances in men as well. So it's really, really profound. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Previously, the the only uh, thing that was given for women in menopause was the soy. And that's another big thing that, you know, it it does give the same effect of the estrogen uh, that is bad because of the genetic engineering and Mm. all the changes that happen. So uh, when the classic medicine had nothing to offer for the menopausal women, uh, only soy was the the main uh, suggestion. And that was a bad one, too. (laughs) (laughs) Because the soy is boosting that estrogen production, which may be for the menopausal women, that's helpful, although there's other side effects. But the issue is with young women who already have estrogen dominance, that soy is only exacerbating that problem. And introducing the soy in so many uh, food uh, Mm -hmm. cause the young uh, boys not to have puberty in proper time and then to affect their fertility later on it's just there is no recognition enough of how bad it can be for everybody Mm. either xeno uh, the plastics xenoestrogen phytoestrogen soy products a lot of things can add up causing uh, men to have the uh, infertility or the erectile dysfunctions that we see frequently now Mm. And you're mentioning phytoestrogens, which are basically plant estrogens. Is that correct? Like yes. the soy. I also believe there's a big list. I'm sure you could Google what you know what are phytoestrogens. But I believe even broccoli. I think coffee is also a phytoestrogen, <laughs> which we may not like to hear. But is so are those things that when you have a patient come in who you've done the labs, they clearly have estrogen dominance. You know, it seems obvious. We're asking them to remove the plastics. But then are you asking them to also cut out some of those phytoestrogens as well? Lifestyle modifications have to accompany every single thing. 
you know you have really to change if you you want to stop drinking stop hanging out in the bars mm -hmm. you know it's simple you have to change a lot mm -hmm. uh, junk food you know greasy food the 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 fried food a lot of things that as um our ancestors have never been exposed to and they used to be very healthy mm -hmm. and and the medicine was very very limited yet they lived much longer and the and they were able to survive in the jungles otherwise we wouldn't have been here now <laughs> right so we really need to uh, cut on a lot of processed food a lot of the plastics that we use um, uh, thinking about how life can be if you are back in the jungle where you eat you know the fresh fruits and vegetables you run you you relax you don't have all this um, stimuli from all over you don't have the advertising pushing on you what to eat and what not to eat because there is a lot of food that is being advertised as healthy is actually not mm -hmm. so th the burden on the the current uh, human being living in this world is too high that's why they have to ask experts not to get exhausted or lose their way searching for the truth. Mm -hmm. it, it's very complicated. So you also mentioned earlier that estrogen dominance, some of the symptoms can be that it causes anxiety, maybe it causes depression, but is the reverse also possible where high, high stress can actually contribute to that estrogen dominance in the first place? Stress is our number one enemy. <laughs> <laughs> so we really uh, have tons of um, problems in medicine. When we were in the classic orthodox medicine, we would uh, call it idiopathic, which is a, a three chic word for we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea behind idiopathic is that we just didn't uh, have a, a clear reason for it well if we really treat this person as a human being we will know that stress is behind so many of the idiopathic causes mm. of the diseases so stress can cause cancer stress can cause something known as broken heart syndrome which oh, is wow. uh, the fancy word is takatsubu syndrome i have seen it personally in the icu where uh, stress can cause ballooning of the left ventricle of the heart which is the strongest muscle in the body wow stress can cause that can cause the heart to be broken it's literally the way it is mm. and this balloon is so thin that if it ruptures there is a big hole bleeding in the heart and people die on top you know immediately wow. inside yeah so stress is my enemy as much as it is my patient's enemy, and we cannot uh, ignore it, we should never uh, uh, undermine uh, it or think that you know it is a, a small uh, enemy or a weak enemy that we can ignore. Mm -hmm. We have to face stress uh, in uh, in a courageous way, we in the face, you know, st uh, stand in front of it, uh, know how much it can do control it in every way make sure that it doesn't come back <laughs> in dealing with cancer patients specifically here in our center you know stress is the trigger of every cancer 
and we have seen it what's the stress in your life and and the the patient would start telling you oh i have this happened oh i lost my house oh i got through a divorce oh my son is giving me hard time oh and and it's always all and there is a relation between the the type of cancer and the location mm-hmm. and the stress as well mm-hmm. it's all about energy it's all about the the chemical reactions and the hormone disturbance that happens because of the stress some people when they are stressed they become infertile and they go to the uh, I, ivf doctors or the uh, you know the uh, gyn doctors and they are told oh there is nothing wrong with you both nothing wrong mm-hmm then what they are not conceiving they are not conceiving because they are stressed and so on you can find a lot of stress uh, implications on the hormones if uh, uh, a girl or a woman is stressed about uh, an exam she might not have her period or she might have excessive bleeding in her period there is a lot that can happen immediately when you are shocked because of something you can get into early menopause because of uh, a, a situation in in life that you couldn't bear up with so dealing with the stress goes hand in hand with other medical interventions mm. it has to be there otherwise we're not treating the person as a whole mm-hmm. i'm so glad that you point that out So if you had a patient come in, you'd already done the labs, you now see, okay, yes, they have estrogen dominance. What are some of the things that you would start with with them? You know, what's that like initial roadmap where you'd say, okay, here you go, go home, do this. Potentially, here's a couple supplements that might help you. Where are you starting them off with? So starting, as we said, that the stress has to be eliminated from life. So we do have the, uh, uh, the ways to control the, the stress. We do have certain interventions here that we can do. Scanner is one of the inventions that I love and I do personally for to control the stress. Uh, deep massage is one of the things. We have to make sure that the lymphatic drainage is uh, in its perfect shape. So hemosonics and the lymphatic drainage. We have to evaluate if there is any additional stressful reason internally, which we didn't see other than just the the, uh, mental stress. So physical stress can cause a lot of disturbance and we all know that it's Mm -hmm. the disease. Mm -hmm. So evaluating if there is any hidden mold or virus or bacteria or parasites, we have to treat and we do have firefly for this. We, We do have the bioimmune assays. We have our lab work, of course and uh, doing the the detailed evaluation for the stress and then controlling the stress by uh, adjusting the microbiomes in the gut you know the Mm. good guys have to be working more than the bad guys in the gut uh, to uh, uh, eliminate the stress internally knowing that the happy hormones 80 percent of them are produced in the gut and travel to the brain to work so how important it is to uh, to control the gut I can't tell you enough. Mm-hmm. It's o- equal to a golf course. If you open up the gut cell beside each other, cell by cell, it's golf course. <laughs> you, you have to maintain a golf course. Yeah, yeah. Every single minute, it has to be healthy. So there is a lot of effort that should be put in there. The balance of the players of the hormones together in the team has to be all equally powerful. So you cannot ignore the thyroid or you ignore the adrenals because you're taking care of the estrogen only. 
everybody has to be in good shape. Mm-hmm. And uh, going back home with uh, uh, supplements, estrodim is one of the things that I really uh, like. The dims are the uh, players which uh, hold on the bad estrogens and um, uh, give the good ones the the field to play mm. uh, alone. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that I like. Increasing the metabolism of the body in general to clear by the lymphatics, to clear by the liver. You know, the liver is the breaking um, uh, source, uh, the breaking uh, center for the estrogen. That's why uh, men with uh, um, liver disease have estrogen predominance. So you find their hair getting longer. You find the hair in the body is lost. You find that they start developing breasts. All this happened because the the liver is affected and the estrogen is not uh, removed uh, in a a timely manner in their bodies. Mm -hmm. In women, it won't show that much because of the estrogen predominance in their body in general but still they get the the surge of the estrogen. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot to be done. Stress is one of them. Uh, Hormone balance for the other hormones is crucial. Uh, Taking the proper supplement, losing weight, exercising, eating the right food, eliminating plastics and sleeping well. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's so good. And I mean, we could probably just spend, you could have a whole seminar on this topic so and that's almost every topic we discuss here so it's ambitious of us to try and cram it all into a short episode but Dr. Lachine thank you so much it was so wonderful to have you on we're I'm sure we're going to have you on many many more times to just continue to share your expertise in what sounds like so many different areas thank you so much really enjoyed your conversation and thanks for all uh, the audience who i would love to see in person and i would love to hear about their uh, questions if they have any uh and uh for till the next time yes thank you (laughs) 